great to have you here today. My name's Marlo, and I'm one of the pastors here for those that are guests. And uh, uh, each week we have the privilege of spending time in what we believe to be um, God's very word, his, his truth of, of what it means to walk with him, to, to know who we are, and to recognize out of that uh, our, our great need of, of God, our Savior, to embrace him uh, as the forgiver of our sin and the leader of our life. And if you haven't done that today, it uh, could be your day. Um, so, as we start this morning, and through August, we, we uh, are, are doing standalone messages with the various speakers. And uh, in, in July, we had uh, those that have been around uh, the My Story series. And uh, you remember that uh, Mike Stewart, who was scheduled in July, wasn't able to, to share his story. So he is on for August 26th. So make sure you're here for that. Just uh, I'm so grateful for his willingness to, to share his story with us, someone from our church family, and um, getting texts here and distracted. You know, I'm a man, I can, can't speak and read at the same time, so just give me a minute to process. Okay, we're good. Um, so today, speaking for those who have been around Christianity and know, know the New Testament, these will be very familiar verses of scripture that we're going to look at today, entitled Heaven's Investment Plan. And the very first thing I want, to, I want to tell you is that I want you to be prepared at the end for some moments of response. And I want you just to have this on your radar, so I'm mentioning it briefly now. You'll receive a card with the question, what thought patterns or practices do I need to adjust so they come into line with this teaching of Jesus? So have that on your mind as we share some of these thoughts together. God, we need you to know your truth. We need your spirit to, to, to illuminate it, to, to, to turn on the light so we, we can understand and, and apply it to our lives. Help us in that today, we pray in Jesus' name. What does wise investing mean? Probably a variety of opinions here on that. Certainly your risk tolerance may influence how you answer that. Investment. Investment is an important word because it affects our future when we begin to draw on the returns of what we've invested. So where we put our money, or as Jesus calls it, our treasure, matters a lot. Jesus says that we must be careful and, and we, we must carefully consider where we store our treasure, where and how we invest, all of which is influenced by what we allow to captivate our hearts. Jesus spoke these words in Matthew 6, 19 to 21. I'm going to ask you to stand and I don't, the monitor isn't hooked up here, but it's on the screen, right? I want us to read out loud together these uh, verses from Matthew 6, uh, chap uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. So join me out loud and read. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. 
But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God bless you. You may be seated. I don't know much about the stock market. The Wall Street floor looks like craziness to me many times. But Jesus says that the best investments that we can make are those that bring eternal kingdom results. And he also points out, as we've alluded to already, um, that our, our heart follows where we invest our treasure. And for those who are Christ followers, if you want your heart to follow the things that God cares about, then invest in things that captivate his heart, because our heart and our attention will follow where we put our money. It's just that way. If you want to have an interest in a particular country, start to give to missions. Right, Gord? Start to give to missions. And your heart will be ignited with interest and excitement for what God is doing in a particular place. Or local church. Knowing the human heart as God does, Jesus warns in Luke 12, he says, Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That's, that's spoken a lot of years ago. In this consumeristic culture, isn't that applicable? So very applicable. And then the wise words in Hebrews, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. I need to hear that once in a while. Living with an attitude of, of discontent. And we've all been there, I'm sure. If you're honest, I, I've been there. But living day after day, week, month after month after month with discontentment. Well, what a chafing way to live, hey? What a, what a chafing way to live. You've experienced it, I'm sure, as I have. And so Jesus uses this phrase in Matthew 6, 19, treasures on earth. Treasures on earth. What are they? Well, I could make a big list. Very simply, they're things that don't last, right? We know that. Things that don't last. Things that are temporary. A widescreen TV. A new slalom ski. Ah, boy, I'm a little embarrassed to tell you how excited I was two years ago when I picked up a new one in Vancouver at a ski shop. An upgraded RV. Whatever it is. The, and these things aren't inherently bad things, are they? Jesus, doesn't, uh, Jesus just says, don't let them attach themselves to your heart. Don't let these temporary things, these earthly treasures, dominate your focus. And, and certainly don't let them cause your financial investment in the work of God to be impeded by, you know, because your money's all tied up in that big car loan or an oversized mortgage. Kids have a way of reminding us that it's just stuff. Kids teach us all kinds of lessons, but can have a way of reminding us that it's just stuff. I think of a time myself right now, and she's not here so I can talk about her. She's okay with this. One of our daughters, who is now a mother herself, 
Was that my, did I say that? Was that my outside voice? She was waiting years ago in our previous church, in the parking lot, for her pastor dad and her pastor's wife, mom, to get out so she could go home. Got a little bored. Decided for reasons that we still haven't discerned today to pick up a stone and etch her name in the side of our minivan. You know how to spell it? Starts with a K. That's all I'm going to say. Discipline, yes, I, I honestly can't remember what that looked like, but, but, but it's just stuff. So to help us keep a proper perspective on stuff, Jesus tells us three ways, three very simple ways that these earthly treasures disappear. How, how do they disappear? Well, a variety of ways, but Jesus highlights three. He says, moths. Interesting, hey? For some, their, their treasure is in their closet. In the ancient East, the, the, the wealth of a, of a, of a man was signaled by an immaculate and elaborate wardrobe. Huh. Moths. Although I've never had it happen to me, apparently moths can destroy clothing. I googled this, and there's a lot about this. Martha Stewart actually has an article, if you care to read about it, The Basics of Moth Proofing. Okay. I remember visiting my grandparents, my mom's parents, who were pastoring in Penticton. I was a kid in Kamloops, and we would go there and, and hang out at grandma and grandpa's, and we'd, I'd walk into their house, seven, eight years old, and I remember this distinct smell to this day. It's etched in there. So, uh, I mean, not a, not a terrible smell, but not a good one either. I found out that it was mothballs to be sure that the moths out there didn't ruin their clothing. Well, if the moths don't get our clothes, the, the speed at which the styles change will, or the spaghetti sauce that I've been known to spill, or the dryer into which those jeans weren't supposed to be thrown, didn't happen. Just saying, didn't happen. They will, clothes are temporary. And again, clothes aren't a bad thing. I'm glad you brought them with you today. Even more specifically, I'm glad you have them on today. But Jesus references, as an example, clothes or earthly treasures that moths can destroy. And then Jesus uses another word to remind us of how quickly these earthly treasures can, be, can just dissipate or disappear. Rust. The original word literally is an, an eating away. I want to show you something on the screen. I've, I've talked about this before, but, oh, not for quite a while, I don't think. So I'm, I'm, I'm well past due for a reference to my old GTO, since we're speaking of earthly treasures, you know. Uh, Miriam misses this car so, so much. Uh, but I, I bought this 1970 goat as an 18-year-old and drove it 10 Edmonton. After 10 Edmonton winters, already being 12 years old at the time, the car, I knew, you can't really see it here too bad, but I, I knew this reference of Jesus. Rust. Rust. Earthly treasures. 
can easily disappear. And rust is one of the ways that this happens. I, I traded up for a Hyundai XL. You know, at the time it was GTO gas. <laughs> Spending what on gas at the time? But anyway, GTO gas, kids, GTO kids. I went to a Hyundai XL. And I'm happy to this day that I did it. Just kidding. <laughs> Truly. So, so there's no weight, there's no, there's no use. Jesus talks about moss. He talks about rust, things can, that can disappear. There's no use wasting energy in the vigorous pursuit of stuff like this because it's just going to rust away. And, and don't misunderstand. That's not, a, that's not a statement about what kind of car you should drive. That's, that's not even so much the issue as is the heart of the possessor in relation to the car or to whatever the object may be. So Jesus reminds us that rust is another way that temporal things disappear. So, so their value is not lasting, right? Earth, earthly, earthly treasure. And then there's the problem, Jesus says, of thieves. Thieves can easily steal what we have, what we might be putting an inordinate amount of uh, focus and love toward. Thieves can come and steal those things. Some of you have had that happen to you. It doesn't feel good. I had a uh, car stolen out of the parking lot at uh, Millwood's church one Saturday afternoon. Weird, weird feeling. And it ticks you off a little bit. Well, I, I want you to watch this 30-second audio-less, grainy security video from a Saskatchewan gas station. These, these guys are brilliant. Tell me when it's done because I can't see it. Oh, there it is. I, I had to show it coming through the wall twice. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Don't get any ideas. Where thieves break in and steal, Jesus said, e easily. It's one of the ways that Jesus says our earthly treasures, our earthly stuff can disappear. So, once again, Marlo, it doesn't make sense to let your heart be captivated by earthly treasure. Earthly treasure is not eternally safe. It has no eternal value. So why would you waste that valuable energy? couple of parenthetical thoughts before we look at the phrase treasures in heaven. First of all, we, we need to remember that this discussion doesn't mean that we shouldn't wisely plan for a word that really isn't in the Bible, but you'll understand what it, for, for retirement or, or for the stage of life when we don't have that income, but we still want to serve God in the ways He wants us to at that stage of life. But it certainly means that we shouldn't lose sight during that time of planning, that we shouldn't lose sight of growing in generosity as we do that as well. That's just biblical. Because generosity is a primary way to, to, to keep our hearts from being attached to those earthly treasures. It really is. And, and many of you, you live that way. You know that. 
That's very cool to, to witness this. Secondly, nowhere, nowhere does the Bible um, glorify poverty. Nor does the Bible equate poverty with spirituality. Nor does it condemn the legitimate acquisition of wealth. And yet, there's a clear biblical warning, and more than one, of the dangers of wealth. Dangers of riches. 1 Timothy 6 is an example. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to hope to put their hope in God, who, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I mean, that, that's a cool statement right there at the end of that passage. 1 Timothy 6, 17. So, so wealth is not inherently evil, but there is a warning that we need to listen to. It, God is, through the Apostle Paul, to this young pastor, Tim, he's, he's reminding us of something very, very, uh, so applicable, again, to our day, even though this was written so long ago. Don't be arrogant if you have wealth, and don't put your hope or your trust in wealth. It's not wrong to possess wealth, but it's wrong to let wealth possess us. It's a big difference. And, and listen, when we hear this message about wealth, I, I think often our, our, our default, our first, for many of us, our first reaction is, well, well that doesn't really apply to me so much. I, I'm not wealthy. Yes, you are. Uh, financial expert David Ramsey says that if you make $34,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of the whole world. Think about that. You're wealthy. Supplies. Supplies. And we'll know that our wealth is beginning to possess us when we find ourselves being concerned that if we give too much, we're going to lose ground. Ever had that thought, that feeling? I have. It's a signal. It's a red flag. Could be in that moment that God wants you to press through to the next stage of generosity. To break the hold of the earthly treasures on our heart. It's the best way. Best way to break it. So, Jesus offers the only sensible alternative to the futile uh, the or the futility of treasuring up earthly things, and that is to store up heavenly treasure. Earthly treasure? And you kids that are with us, what is it that you have as a possession that you think you could love too much. I want you to think about that. I want to talk to your mom or dad about that. It's okay to enjoy and appreciate and, ah, we use the word love, you know, but anyway, it's a toy or a bike or the trampoline. Or, yeah, it's good. It's good, good things. Fun things. It's okay. But a simple question, kids. Do you love it too much? Does your heart get more excited about, you know, getting on your bike and going for a ride than it does about thinking about Jesus being your friend? Just a question. What excites you more? It's a good question. Talk to your mom or your dad about that a little bit later today, maybe. So Jesus uses the phrase, treasures in heaven. This 
Storing up treasures in heaven is explained well in a statement made, made by a man named Jim Elliott. Many of you know, missionary to the Aka Indians in the jungle of Ecuador, who in 1956, along with, I think it was four others, were, were murdered by the very people in the jungle that they were trying to reach for Jesus and show the love of Jesus to. And written in his journal was this statement that, that his life and, and the loss of it made famous. It's a, it's, a, it's a treasures in heaven descriptor. And he said... He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep anyway to gain what he can never lose. Now, to be very clear, he's not talking about giving to gain salvation. Right? Please understand that. But rather to... To gain things like the, the joy and the reward that comes as we choose to, to lose our earthly life in the passionate pursuit of God and His will and His plan and His gospel spreading of it. And all, right? And giving what we, what we won't have for long, our lives, and what we can't keep, we can gain that which is of eternal value and significance. And that's an exciting thought. Earthly treasure, or sorry, heavenly treasure stored up by our giving, by our prayer, by our serving. And in some cases, as was the case in Eliot's life, by the giving of our very life for the sake of the kingdom. Wow. So what does this storing up treasure in heaven involve? Well, a few things. And we start with something very fundamental, and that is simply the surrender of my life to God. And to use the financial illustration, I'm never going to benefit, and, it, and again, it's not about personal benefit, but hear me out. I, I'm never going to benefit from the, the great long-term interest, uh, interest rate un, unless I sign up with the institution that's making the offer. I've got to sign up. I've got to get in the game. Storing up treasure in heaven begins with me, you, us, surrendering our life to God, signing on the dotted line of committing my life to Him. And at that point then, I'm able to begin making those heavenly deposits to store up treasure there. Obviously where it needs to start. And then if we ever hope to store up treasure in heaven, we, we need to adopt God's perspective on wealth. And then, again, this is kind of a whole message in itself, but very briefly, a few things. We, first of all, it's important to remember that it comes from Him. Everything we have comes from Him. Psalm 24.1 tells us that. The earth is the Lord's, everything in it. And friends, we, we must adjust our life to this truth, reminding ourselves often Everything I have, everything I have comes from God. God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Help me to use it for your purposes. Thank you. It comes from God. We're blessed to bless others. And then secondly, we, we've, we've, we've heard this already in this message. It, it must not possess us. It must not possess us. Going back a long time, Lee Iacocca, age test. How many of you 25 and younger know who that is? Uh, anyway, President of Ford wrestled with holding on to that job, and it was all, he says, greed, a big part of his journey. He took over in the 80s, Chrysler Corporation, and kind of revamped that, revived it. And, but his confession of, of greed is not, is not hidden. 
In an honest response, Ayakoka admitted that greed was a struggle for him. He said, my father always said this, be careful about money. When you have 5,000, you'll want 10. When you want 10, or when you have 10, you'll want 20. He was right. No matter what you have, it's never enough. Unless, unless, of course, we choose to align our heart with biblical truth about money and this thing called contentment that at times can be so elusive. God's perspective on wealth also means that we, or that, that we know God wants us to be generous. And again, we've said that already. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, whoever sows generously will reap generously. It seems ironic, but it's, it's true. What's, what's hoarded is lost, but what is generously given away is, is true investing. And again, many of you, you, you live this way. And I'm inspired as I get to hear some of the stories and observe your lives. It's very cool. Way to go. Keep going in that direction. We, we read from 1 Timothy 6. And we read already from 1 Timothy 6. But, but then a couple of verses uh, later in the chapter, verses 18 and 19, uh, God, again, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul instructs those who are rich in this life to, to be what? Rich in, do you remember? Good deeds. To be, to be rich in good deeds. That's part of storing up treasure in heaven. And, Paul says, to be generous and willing to share. So that they can, what's he say there? Lay up treasure for themselves for the coming age. So finally, storing up treasure in heaven involves investing all my resources for God's purposes. Money, we've talked about that today. Uh, but also my, my time, my talents, my character, my compassion... All of these things, because, because these investments, they can alter someone else's eternal uh, trajectory. They can. Years ago, I read a story, and I'm sorry I can't quote from where, from where it came, but it was about a, a wealthy businessman on, the, on his deathbed who was filled with remorse, and his pastor came to visit him. He opened up to him, and he said, many years earlier, I had opportunity given to me to, to teach and be involved with a, a Sunday school class of nine-year-old boys, and at that time, thinking I didn't have the time, I, I said no to that offer, and I went on with my busy, money-making life. Well, at this point in his fragile life, as his life came to the end, he told his pastor that that was a very painful regret for him, that he had missed, he felt, an opportunity that was given by God to invest in the lives of these nine-year-old boys. And he was thinking about just how many boys would have passed through that class. And, and with deep regret, he said, my, my investments in stocks and bonds and land and all these things will stay behind when I leave. What a, what a fool I've been were his words. Jesus' words that we read together. Verse 21 of Matthew 6. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what do you treasure? What do I treasure? Because where our heart lands, where our heart is focused, it matters a lot. Proverbs 4.23, many of you know the reference. Guard your heart because out of it, everything of life comes. It's the wellspring of life. The things we most highly treasure occupy that space. 
So that's where we need to start our assessment in response to this teaching of Jesus and ask, what things do I really value? What things do I really value? Things that won't last or things that will? And I'm asking myself, and as I was preparing this, I'm asking myself prayerfully these questions. What things do I really value? You know what? (laughs) My calendar and my wallet are a big part of honestly answering that question. Where I put my time and my money, obviously. Think about that. If you have a a hard time answering a question like, what what do I really value? Start thinking about how you use your time and your money. It's a big part. It's a big part of answering that question. We can give, in this life, we can give best energy and resources for years and years to build up something like financial security, which is kind of an oxymoron, actually, biblically. It's not too really kind of a false sense of security anyway. And, then, but, and stand before God and have nothing. Or we can make some God-directed, biblically-based choices about, about the posture of our heart and about how we use our resources, and we'll have, we'll have treasure in heaven that will last forever. Oh, I'm not saying it's easy to live that out every day. But it's not complicated to get my head around that. It's not complicated to lay out a a, a strategy. And that's part of what I want us to do this morning. Even if it's noting one thing that the Holy Spirit would bring to light for you in these moments. By way of an adjustment. A life edit. A change. Something you've thought about and you've talked about before. Something you've committed to before and you did it for a while and you just it's kind of went off the road. Maybe it's coming back to that. What, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Maybe this teaching is something that's just brand new for you. And maybe you, you don't even know what it means to have a relationship with Christ. Well, in these moments, we've sung about it. We've, we've, we've shared communion. All of it speaks of what the gospel is. And you know, the word gospel just means good news. And it's good news. Not that Jesus died on the cross, but it, but it is because his death was the penalty for sin that belonged to me that he took on himself. So I could live free and forever in personal and eternal relationship with the God who created me. That's good news. And for you this morning, maybe it's that expression to God. As odd as that may feel, But in here, you know you need to do it. Expression to God to say, I need you. I want to turn away from my old life. I want to turn from my self-directed life. I want to turn from my sin and know life as you meant for me to live it here and now and in eternity. Wow, what is that? Yeah, in your heaven, in your eternal family. I want that gift of salvation. I want that gift of your grace today. It's, it's, it's not a formula. It's not words that you need to say. God just knows your heart and sees your heart. And if you ask him, he will bring you, it's like bring you across that line of faith and trust that you're putting into him and, and, and bring you into his eternal family like that. That can happen as you sit here this morning. And I, I, ho- I hope it will for you if that's not something you've done before. For all of us, we can think about these things. I'm going to ask uh, those that have agreed to just distribute 
If you want one of these cards, and we're going to take some moments in quiet reflection here together. If you want one of these cards, guys, you can just walk to the front and then turn around and walk back. If you want one of these cards, I want you just to put your hand up and they'll pass you a card right now. Just hold your hand up if you want a card. It's got a simple question on it, a good question, a biblical question that will help us bring our life into line more so with this teaching of Jesus about earthly treasure, heavenly treasure. So I want you, along with myself, and I'm doing this again now, this morning, to read this question. Maybe things come to your mind right away. You can write it. You can write a bunch of things down. You can write one thing down. Maybe you write a bunch of things down, and it's like, okay, for the next three months, I'm just going to focus on this one thing. That's all. These baby steps are good, right? Just try to try to listen to the loving, gracious, helpful whisper of the Holy Spirit in these moments. God, God, what do you want, do you want me to do with this teaching in my life? That's the question. So let's take some some time to do that this morning.